guys, welcome to I Am Hunter. Uh, you've got Rod, Jess and Tash here with you today. Uh, we're going to be talking to Mark Burrows from the Australian Bowhunters Association um, about a lot of information about um, Australian bow hunting. Uh, we'll talk to him a bit about how he got into bow hunting himself and we'll also talk about what ABA or the Australian Bow Hunting Association is doing in Australia. And hopefully find out a little bit of detail about Mark himself as well in the meantime, which um, uh, I'm sure will be interesting to everyone. So here we go. Just to kick it off, do you want to give us a bit of a background on yourself and uh, your involvement in hunting and um, and bow hunting, I, I guess? Yeah, well, I started, well, I've hunted practically all my life as far as way back when I got a 22 for my 12th birthday, you know, so... And I'm from a rural background. I was uh, born in Langathan, which is south of Gippsland, so we're on the on the uh, edge of town. So I, I did certainly did a lot of hunting then. But um, and, and I grew up uh, rifle hunting, you know, chasing all the basic stuff you do in Victoria, you know, salmon deer and foxes and hares and rabbits and that sort of thing. And yeah, I probably about my early my late late teens, I got a bit interested in uh, in the bow. I sort of Probably a bit more of a challenge, so um, took up. Well, I had a, had a bow as a kid. All kids have a bow, you know. They yeah. steal the next door neighbours' chook wings and um, <laughs> make their arrows and shoot whatever they can shoot. But yeah, got more well, yeah serious in the bow hunting in, uh, in my early twenties is probably when I really got into bow hunting. And uh, I'm sixty-one now, so I've been bow hunting ever since. So yeah, that's uh, I, and as far as well, um, yeah, as my involvement is. Uh, with the ABA started uh, 35 years ago. So I've uh, been an ABA member for that long and I've been on wow. journey. Yeah, yeah, been on the National Executive of the Association for 20 years and uh, yeah, just been seemed to be it's just an everyday part of my life. I'm actually, I was uh, been pretty well self employed my whole life, so it's made it a bit easy to uh, you know, just drop things and head off hunting for a week here or a few days there or whatever. I've um, Sounds like the dream. So, yeah, well, and mate, well, I actually owned a news agency for 37 years, and uh, it's uh, long hours, but it certainly made me, uh, well, allowed me to be able to um, to hunt the whole country and and uh, and some of the islands around it, and as far as New Guinea and all that sort of stuff. So I have um, hunted far and wide. Yeah. And then in the last five years, actually, I'm a full time taxidermist now, so I've had a complete career change. So. Yeah, right. I've always done a bit of taxidermy as a, a mounting my own gear and stuff, but um, and, and the, my mate I hunt with and have hunted with for the last 25 years is a taxidermist as well, so I've learned a fair bit along the way. And uh, yeah, now that's my full time occupation, which still makes it easy to sneak off and have a hunt. So that's the whole yeah. idea. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So you were saying you started bow hunting in your teens. What kind of bow did you have back then? Well, when I first started, I just had a, a bamboo uh, longbow, um, which was uh, my parents bought it for me when I was about 12 or 13. So um, I've got no idea where it come from, but I used to make my own arrows out of dowel. And as I said, I actually used to really sneak into the uh, Mrs. Kennedy's chook pen and steal the right wing feathers because I read somewhere <laughs> that you had to have one side. Yeah. And they're always better off the chook than they were on the ground. And I uh, used to make my own arrows and, uh, and I'd uh, chase the rabbits in the paddocks across the road so yeah it's where i really started yeah. um, i'm interested just while, while, while you mentioned it um we actually well i actually spent um nearly six years in Papua new guinea and um uh, i was up there in a in a working capacity obviously and the, the kids were quite young at the time um i always wanted to hunt up there but it was really hard uh this was in the early 2000s um because you basically couldn't bring any rifles over there um, and to own a rifle there, the actual rifle was licensed. You couldn't get a license um, and therefore you had to have a kind of this ridiculous permanent visa kind of um, yeah, situation yeah. to get in there. How did how did you, did you bow hunt there or, or yeah, rifle hunt? Yeah, no, I bow hunted. Okay, that, that makes well, sense then. Because, easy, but yeah. it was still complicated and we actually... Flew. We hired our own plane out of Cairns. There was uh, six of us, and we flew into Bent's back. But we we didn't through customs at Dayroo. We didn't go through Port Moresby. Oh, okay. So it was probably a little bit easier. But they 
I wasn't neat because they wouldn't look at our bows and they actually counted our arrows yeah. to make sure that we didn't leave any behind, which is pretty complicated when you're bow hunting. Wow. Like, oh. Luckily, they didn't count them when we came back because I certainly didn't have the same <laughs> amount of arrows. Um, but um, we had, there was a, one of the, our guide had a, well, our outfitter who was organising the prey, he had a rifle and they actually, there yeah, they, they counted his ammunition, they put numbers on each shell, so when he brought them back, if he, if he fired them, he had to show them the, the empty case with the number on it. So, yeah, oh, yeah it wasn't was an easy process, and, and the plane had to stay there for the entire week. Uh, they weren't allowed to drop us off and come back and get us, because uh, the Bensback River's up near the Virian Jaya border, and they were yeah. concerned about um, you know, us, come, someone coming in and carting us away, I guess. But <laughs> So, we had pay for a pilot for a week to sit around and wait for us to go hunting every day wow. um, was was well worth the effort I, it was an adventure that you know you just wouldn't have anywhere else well, for the average australian anyway to have you know, the, on the planet without maybe going to africa or the back blocks of africa somewhere but yeah for, yeah. for us you, you're just there yeah, they're still living well at that time they were living you know the only way in was flying or or walk, there's no roads in there, so that people were living exactly the same way they've lived for the last, you know, 20, 40, 50,000 years, whatever, in little yeah. huts on stilts by the river, and the women still uh, in their dugout canoes paddling the river fishing, and the men were still out hunting uh, out lots of wallabies over there, which surprised me, actually, uh, to see wallabies. I didn't expect to see them in New Guinea, but yeah. lots of Yeah, lots rock of wallabies. Yeah, the um, Timorese deer, and uh, not, that, not that they shot a lot of them with their equipment. No, mostly <laughs> they hunted the wallabies and the pigs. But but we got them real well. We had because we were hunting with bows, even though they were. You know, by then I was with a compound and everything. I was still shooting fingers them days, but it was still a bow and arrows. And and we actually went hunting with them with the local fellas all times. Uh, wow, that, was, that would be really hunt. interesting. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was probably. It was a real experience, actually, and um, to see them, you know, hunt the wallabies the way they hunted them, and and the pigs and that sort of thing. They used to, they wasn't so much hunting as they'd uh, irritate the pigs enough so they'd charge them, and then as they charged <laughs> them, they'd just fill them full of uh, bamboo arrows that had wow, <laughs> had pointy bits on the end. They didn't really have broadheads as such. They, yeah. If they had metal, they they made something. You know, they bashed it up and sharpened it up, but generally they were bamboo arrows with hardwood points and yeah eventually the pigs got that many arrows in them they fell over but wow yeah they were fairly amazed with our equipment because you know we'd shoot a pig and the pig would run you know a couple of meters and fall over you know yeah the, yeah actually the first deer i shot and we were the first probably uh bow hunters in there really that were um part of that process and they the first deer i shot it actually probably a little bit high, but I didn't tell them that because it spined it and fell down straight away. And <laughs> and, that, and, uh, and it died, like, you know, that usually doesn't happen with a bow. But I was the, um, the made for entertainment at the end of the day when we got back to camp because you'd have a couple of carry boys who would carry the deer out because you'd take them back whole and then you have a skinner and everything else. And they, they did a bit of a... Um, a dance type thing of the whole process. One pretended to be a deer and one pretended to be me and the other one showed the whole thing of the, the deer falling over dead was uh, yeah, yeah. I was really amazed for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. they were doing a story a story of the whole thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They just yeah, yeah, it was a yeah, fantastic yeah, you know, ten days we're over there. So um, yeah. yeah, a lot a lot of deer on that bench back because part of my ambition like a uh, species was to uh, and I guess I don't know if you want to go back, probably go back to the start of the process with the ABA was when I first joined them, uh, you know, they had a, a list of all these species and, and that was my ambition to, to collect all those species initially. But um, yeah. And that, then ambition diversified over the years. And, and when I, the bench back when I shot the Timorese rooster, then um, I thought, oh, well, there's three rooster over here. So in the meantime, I've uh, hunted, well, I've got Javan rooster here, which I've taken, and then only last year before last, I was up in Cape York and I uh, took a good representative Malacan rooster. So yep. probably one of the um, very few bow hunters that would have taken all three rooster, spirit, rooster species in the, in the South Pacific, really. So they're all hanging on the wall and they all remind you of, 
the plants are coming out. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Reminds you of everything. Yeah. Oh, very good. Well done. I guess what intrigues me a little bit is the is the is the trophy system with the ABA. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what like the species list is and and that kind of thing and how that was kind of how that came about? Yeah, well, the ABA really started off as the TBA, which is Trophy Bow Hunters Australia, and that that was formed in the early seventies and. And they started that list off way back then, the, the group of fellas that, that started that. And then they used to get together every year and have a bit of a muster and, and show off their trophies or have a practice or you know, probably have a few beers, I would suggest. And and over the years, that sort of they had that practice and, uh, and that sort of started to morph into a like an organised field event, which is where the ABA came from. So you've got the... They formed in the mid to late seventies. They formed the Australian Bowhunters Association, and and then made a lot of these lists that they'd had as fairly casual arrangements into um, you know, specific things for the the future of the new association. Which, yeah. and I think there was a couple in Queensland, Southern Queensland uh, Bowhunters. Or something. There were a few of them amalgamated to form that um, the ABA at that point. So. And the TBA is still there. Trophy Balance Australia is still within the constitution of the ABA. Anyone shoots their first trophy class animal automatically becomes a member of the TBA within the ABA category. But, right. but that list that list is uh, we have we have eighteen species of game. Yeah. And that's that's everything from you know, rabbits through to buffalo and uh, and there's three waterborne animals in that, so Oh, both the girls will make that. They both shot rabbits. Does a squirrel count? Does he have uh, ground squirrels? Jet, <laughs> 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 we have we have squirrels. We have squirrels. You got secret squirrels in Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they shot they shot ground squirrels in Africa. Oh, in the states, I think. Yeah. No, we're over in Africa. Yeah. No, oh, in Africa. Yeah. 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 So. It's the only thing uh, Jess has really shot with her bow. Yep. Oh. <laughs> That's living. Actually, I was in South Africa last year. I did see a few squirrels. So yeah, but, yeah. But uh, our list is all the feral, introduced animals in Australia. So and the the waterborne is a shark, stingray, and a scaled fish are the three <laughs> waterborne animals. And the other fifteen are all the introduced species of yep. which, uh, and they're um, so there's six, there's fifteen measurable species which have a, a trophy class level within the association right and that and that trophy class level is has really been come about from 30 or 35 years of game claimed and our measuring system and then they've come up with what we think is uh, a good representative trophy class animal and what's a record class animal and uh and it's all based on the Douglas system. Our measuring, our, oh, early, okay, yep, yep. our early fellas that that brought the system went over to actually New Zealand and studied with Norman Douglas for a while to come up with our current system because his is based on deer, and uh, we had to extend it to uh, camels, you know, uh, foxes, yep. cats, and stuff who only have skull measurements. So that's sort of loosely taken from the. SCI skull measurement with the length system yeah. and um, and pigs and uh, all the others that, that Norman Douglas actually helped our early fellas uh, come up with the total system of measuring stuff. So. Yeah, right. Mark, like, Mark uh, tell me, how, how do you measure a shark? Sharks around the circumference of the jaw uh, along the tooth gum line. So wow. you run, run your tape right around the jaw. So. I never like, thought that that was an am- animal that I would want to shoot with a bow, but now I do. <laughs> yeah, well, they're pretty, they're interesting. My biggest shark's uh, 31 inches around the jaw, uh, which the shark is just on 10 foot long. Um, wow. Which, which is record class within our system. Uh, off the top of my head, I think um, 15 inches around is trophy class and then 21 is record class, I think. So, but... But it's by the around the jaw, jaw circumference. So. Yeah, that yeah. was the next thing I was going to ask you. How many do you have that are in the actual records? Like, like that are in the. Yeah. I, I'm the uh, up until last week, but I'm the <laughs> only person who's taken all our species at trophy class level, um, other than who David Luxford, who shot a red deer this year um, at the Raw, 
it was measured only because there's a drying period, one month drying period, was measured and confirmed to be trophic class. So he now has all species at uh, trophic class level or better as well. So there's only two of us. In the wow. Whole association that's taken all species at trophic class. And, and I've taken uh, the six deer species at record class. I'm the only one that's done that at this stage. Um, there's, a, wow. there's a few people that are sitting on, you know, one or two species to go to get the whole... Uh, the whole list, yeah. But, um, but uh, and uh, I guess I'm re- I think this year we'll probably add a couple of people to that. There's uh, there's there's two other people that have taken all the species, um, but not just at not trophy a, yeah. class level. Yeah, they just you know they're deer or whatever they have mightn't quite make trophy class level because we have a game award level, which is uh, a game claim up to trophy class, yeah. and then we have uh, the next level is this record class, and then obviously Australian record. Above that, and they're all based on our. They're fairly. They're not like they're. Um, they come from a list of experience to decide what's big. Like our um, record trophy class Sambity is 140 Douglas points, which yeah, and record class is 170. So it's a reasonable size um, animal, yeah. unlike the uh, red deer. And the Douglas points very similar to the Australian Deer Association. The only difference between the way they measure stuff and the way we measure stuff is they go to the next eighth of an inch and we go back to the previous eighth of an inch. So right. when you're comparing the two on a big animal, it might only be one or two points difference in the total. So yeah. we're much, much the same. But but that's that's a system. And uh, um, our, our um, the hierarchy of our social, our bowhunting side of our association is that we have the vice president bowhunting, which is really the two IC of the association, which currently is me. Yeah. And then we have um, our national measurer who oversees all the measuring for the year for all the game awards, and and we encourage people to claim claim their game. So it, um, we have a, a system that you know, a claim form they send in, which is signed, which is really uh, it's a bit of an honesty thing, but it's more it's like a stat deck. It's a full form. They've got to sign it have it measured by our qualified measurer and then it's sent into our office uh, with a picture and then yeah. that then, then comes back to me at the end of the year where we correlate all the all the stuff to hand out our awards like our um, trophy bow under the year awards and those sort of things. Yep. So so do these animals have to be taken on public land in Australia? Uh, they can be taken anywhere uh, other than closed, right? We have separate areas for behind wire, um, but there's not too many behind wire places in Australia anyway. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but most of it's free range wild animals, um, yeah, private property or crown land or wherever you're legally allowed to hunt, really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Is it like, so as far as the, like, I guess a geographical boundary, does it include New Zealand or? No, nah, it's just within Australia. No, just yeah. in Australia, but Papua just, New Guinea just, is included? No, nah, that doesn't, nah, I mean, that, that doesn't count either. So oh, okay, right. Yeah, yep. mainland Australia because as you know, you can't buy hunt in Tasmania. Yeah, which is, yeah. Which is a pity, and I, and I've worked hard on that you know, over the years, put in a lot of submissions and contacted the necessary government departments. But it's a whole lot easier to stop something being done at a government level than it yeah. is to have yeah. something oh, changed. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> yeah. It's so frustrating for the girls here that you know, um, with all of that, that we we actually we have to travel for them to bow hunt. Mm, yeah, there's yeah. no other opportunity. Yeah. Um, oh, there, we do, there's one we do property have one. here. Yeah, yeah one you can property shoot rabbits, here. I think, can't you, in yeah, we can shoot rabbits. I there's, think the there... law got changed again. Uh, I I heard that the law got changed again, but I'm not sure if it actually did. Because yeah, feral, I'm... like a lot of the um, a lot of the vermin, what's classed as vermin here, um. You can you're allowed to kill them any way that is considered humane. There's not really a regulation around how they must be taken. So it's kind right. of you're not. It, they don't say that you're allowed to bow hunt them, but they don't say that you're not allowed to bow hunt them. So I think uh, I it's, yeah, it can be great because I've hunted Flinders Island and um, King Island, which have both come under Tassie's regulations, and I've hunted um, turkeys predominantly over there, but but pigs yeah. on uh, Flinders, and because uh, yeah, you're on private property, and when we contacted the uh, uh, Tasmanian authorities and even they didn't know. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Well, pretty yeah we, I think we've that... had those conversations a number of times <laughs> yeah. with, with everyone here from firearm services through to just the normal government that yeah. 
that it's always well we don't know but but err on the side of caution and don't yeah. do it is, is yeah. what their answer well, is usually yeah. i think well, the official yeah. list was um rabbits feral pigs feral goats and foxes that you could shoot <laughs> with yeah. with a bow in tasmania yeah we don't have feral foxes yeah. or any foxes at all so what you need to do is you get a skin tanned in victoria <laughs> yeah and you bring the fox skin over here and you and put you it over a little it. bit of yeah. foam or someone's dog <laughs> <laughs> and then you get yourself a tasmanian trophy fox yeah i think right. i think the the feral goats and the feral pigs they're they're maybe like they're like farm escapees yeah it's really... like it's like escaped from a farm and that's pretty much it like yeah. so yeah the only thing you can really get is rabbits yeah. So there is there is one farm here that is a high fence farm, um, and it it actually has the only reason you can bow hunt there at all um, is because it has a uh, meat processing license, and oh, yeah. because it's got a meat processing license, and we've actually sent people to this farm ourselves um, uh, through Hunt Shack, but. Um, but and we hunt yeah, there ourselves and, as well, and we yeah. have meat hunt. We have done meat hunting there ourselves as well, um, and it's a great place, but it's high fence. Um, yeah, now, it's, it, yeah, it, it's two thousand yeah. odd acres or two and a half thousand acres or whatever. So there's a fair bit of land there, but still, it, it is high fence. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, but it is seriously the only place you can go in Tasmania and bow hunt. Yeah. It's a good uh, place to learn how to bow hunt too. That's where I shot my first doe. Um, well, first, really, anything other than a rabbit with my bow. And so it's a great place to actually do that and be able to do that in Tasmania, but it's the only place yeah. you can go. Mm. Yeah, which is a pity. I'm, it was only last year I put a, a submission in. We had an opportunity to put some stuff in when they, they when they, oh, I can't remember what the government was over there when they were looking at the explosion of fellow deer numbers. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I took the opportunity to extol the virtues of, bow hunters and what we do and the ABA and everything else but um, I, I, got, I got a letter back but it just said yeah, thanks very much, we'll keep it in mind and that was yeah. about the end of it again yeah. I think one of, one of the problems we have down here is we get all of those news stories that are like a kangaroo that has an arrow yeah, in arrow it with a yeah, arrow or something yeah with a field point yeah. and, and it's some 12 or 13 year old just got himself a bow and he's just mucking around and you know, he's, he's done the wrong thing. Doesn't know. He, you know, kids grow up these days, and they don't. They don't. They don't get taught to hunt. You know, no. and that, and they don't. They don't have that natural respect for the land either, because they're not taught that either. Mm. So no. you know, they get out there and they're frustrated. They want to be able to shoot something. They don't know how to do it. And so, what do they do? They go and shoot this dumb wallaby that's been feeding on the front lawn for the past. You know. Or or it's some idiot who would break the law no matter what it was, you know, whether it was bow hunting, whether it was rifle hunting, whether it was just being an idiot in a car, they're the kind of person that's going to break the law. And they hit the front page of the news straight away. Every time. Two or three over here in the last few weeks again. And they're mostly, and look, we, the ABA tries to educate that, and we have a standard format we see that whoever whichever branches it in and we have 10 branches in the country yeah um they will contact the local authorities and offer assistance and all the other sort of stuff yeah, and yeah it, that's the, fantastic. the hassle is now it's nearly getting a little bit it doesn't even make the news as much it's a bit more blase it just seems to be happening too often which will which will probably get us in the end i mean i'm but no doubt there's people out there that don't like what we do are, mm. are recording all this stuff continually and yeah. one day it'll just appear and we'll be in big hunting in general because it's like the bow hunters they're solitary people that just by the very nature of being a bow hunter you don't tend to be a group person yeah and they often don't join associations what what we really need is is more people joining I mean, they don't have to join the ABA. My preference would be if they joined the ABA, but yeah. they need to join a bow hunting organisation so we can quote numbers to the government. Yeah. That's our biggest single problem. Yeah, I agree. There's just not enough of us. Right? Yeah. It's just, the numbers aren't big enough. It's, a, it's not indifferent even with rifle hunt, hunters, though. I mean, they're, again, quite a solitary group of people. You know, I think hunters in general, you know, there's a... There's a um, there's an element itself. of hunting that lends itself to being outdoors either well, by yourself or with a very small group of people, you know. 
um, and they're people you kind of trust, you rely on, you know, and 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 uh, and 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 that generally means you don't really want to be in large groups very often, you know. No, no, and you don't. They just don't get together enough. At least with yeah. the rifle hunters, you've got uh, bigger box. You've got the SSAA and the ADA yeah. field and game. And unless you've got some numbers there, SSAA who refuse to do anything political. And yeah, well, they're the most they're well-funded organisation in Australia. It's, it's the only um, association I'm not a member of, in actual fact. I'm a member of the field and game and the ADA and the ABA and every other thing you can poke a stick at. But, um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's just a certain numbers thing. It's like our ABA, like we, our association spends a phenomenal amount of money every year um, supporting bow hunting and defending bow hunting all over the country. Like in the last five years, I've spoken to every police minister in the country except the Tasmanian one. Yeah. And, and Western Australia a few years ago, we went over there twice um, and nearly lost the ability to own a bow there. But it's got tighter, but at least we can still own a bow and go bow hunting over there. Yeah, and Victoria yeah. was in the same bracket about 10 years ago. We nearly lost the ability to hunt with a compound bow, believe it or not. They weren't going to ban long bows, just <laughs> compound bows. Yeah. And and I spent I had three trips to Melbourne with that one to just just to explain. And, and the trouble is you get a group of people who've got no idea yeah, of yeah. what really happens out there. And we have a manual called the Boeing Proficiency Manual, and we have we're self-governing, and we introduced that nearly thirty years ago, which has gone a long way yeah. in the last twenty years to help us because we have, we have a manual produced. Our members um, uh, have to sit this step test and pass the a written and the accuracy test before we accept claims from them. So yeah, it's not a hard test, but it just shows that. Um, it's some yeah, level we're trying, to, trying to yeah, educate our members from that perspective. And that, that yeah. manual's a pretty, you know, it's gone a long way. It definitely helped in Western Australia. Without that, I don't think they would have had bow ownership or bow hunting over there now. Yeah. And yeah. they were pretty impressed with that process. And, and to do that, we've got to have money. And the more members we've got, the more we can spend. And if we had, you know, if we had 50,000 members, then you, you start to get enough money to hire people to look after your deeds all the time rather than people like me who do it voluntarily and I don't yeah. mind voluntary but I'm not I'm not educated and I, I'm not into that category I just do the best I can and yeah. if you can hire solicitors and lawyers and stuff that know what they're doing but we haven't got the money to do that so we just do what we can do but and I've got no doubt there's 50,000 bow hunters in the country yeah. Um, yeah. but they're not you know, there's only between the ABA and the 3D, AAA and World Archery or Archery Australia, which are the three biggest archery associations in the in the country, uh, you're probably lucky to scratch together 15,000 people. And, and I know there's more bow hunters out there than that. Yeah, or more, right. or more bow users because the target archers have got to get through their brain as well that if they ban bows, they're not just going to ban um, hunting. Bow hunting. It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah, it's, that's right. Uh, only a different colour at times. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. We all Mark, need to be on the same page. Mark, it's um, probably a good time to um just um let our listeners know how do they actually join the ABA if they want to, if they are a bow hunter. Um, and then outside of this kind of support and advocacy that you're talking about, what does their membership fee get them? What does it get them access to? Well, the they can join as independents. They don't have to be members of clubs. They can go to our website. Uh, there's membership form there. Fill it out online, um, and and what it, it gives them public liability insurance um, for, uh, which goes a fair way. A lot of um, private property owners now ask uh, hunters, you know, if they got insurance, they like to cover themselves. So it gives you public liability insurance. Yeah, it gives the ability to to uh, participate within the bowling structure of this country. So you can still claim your game, which encourage because if if I can if I could do governments and say that Bowen has claimed, you know, shot 27,000 feral pigs last year in northern Queensland, then the northern Queensland government's going to think I'm their best mate. You know, yeah, they they yeah. don't have to spend any money at all. You know, but I know they probably shot that many, but they we don't get the claim. So yeah. Because people aren't members. So they, they join, they become members, they get that ability to claim game even, which will help 
bow hunting in the long run. It's an advocacy. It's an advocacy activity. Yeah, Yeah. and they can do their bow hunting proficiency training through the manual. They do that at a local club, even if they don't want to join that club. Um, We encourage people to join the clubs, but but they don't have to. They can still contact their nearest club and find out when they're running their next bow hunting proficiency course. And is it a different membership fee? To join a Sorry? club as opposed—is it a different membership fee to join a club as opposed to just joining well, independently? Yeah, the club membership fees on top of your yeah, um, okay. ABA membership fee, and the ABA membership fee is only seventy-five dollars a year. Yeah, and and for that you get your insurance, you get a magazine every two months, part of that process. And um, if you want to join a club, yeah, clubs vary; they their membership varies. Our local club here is fifty dollars a year, so yeah, only twenty-five dollars, yeah, which is. Not very much nowadays in yeah. the scheme of things. Um, uh, I'm part of the local club and I'm a member of the ABA. And, uh, yeah. Uh, we're, yeah, we can just... And we fight. That money goes into the, the general membership pool. And, and I, we do oversee uh, Target Archery. That's the other arm of our association. But, but if we need to fight anything in relation to owning a bow and arrow, then the money just gets put into it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's what we're here for. We're here to here to fight for our uh, our ability to continue to shoot a bow and arrow. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, perfect yeah. example. I'm sure it wasn't free for you to head over to Western Australia and fight for those laws to. No, to that's change. right. Well, and the guy, I gave the time for free, but yeah, you know, my airfares and accommodation, and all the stuff that goes with it, it's got to come from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Qantas cares our, about the plight yeah. of the bow hunter in Western yeah. Australia. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and that that happens all the time, you know. Like, yeah, just it's uh, continual. This year's been pretty good, been pretty quiet. Uh, we work really closely with the New South Wales government uh, with the old game council. Um, they used our our Boeing proficiency test as the basis for their R license test. But yeah, now right. we're, yeah. sorry, go on. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Yeah, but now the game council closed down yeah, a few years ago, and the uh, DPI took over the running of those R uh, licenses, and they still use the basis of our BPC testing. And I've been working pretty closely uh, with that department for the last few years. Uh, we got a trial of bow fishing for carp into um, New South Wales about three years ago. They went for eighteen months, and that went really good. Yeah, no one got stabbed. No, you know, no farmers got shot with a. Um, cows got shot with a bow fishing thing. Nothing happened whatsoever. No <laughs> That's always helpful. <laughs> and the New South Wales DPI were pretty happy with the whole thing. They've they've put a submission through the government to accept that, introduce that full time. But like all government things, they just seem to drag on forever. And yeah. then they had an election, and then they had a change of ministers, and they're now sitting in the you know the in out basket of the current minister, who's really just got to stamp it and sign it, and we'll be able yeah. to go bow fishing in inland waters in New South Wales. So, wow. And they can in South Australia now. You can bow fish in tributaries of the Murray River in South Australia. Oh, I didn't know that. I had no yeah, idea. That's the only, only, state that, only state that allows uh, freshwater bow fishing. Um, they don't allow saltwater bow fishing in South Australia, which is odd, but they allow, allow you to shoot carp. And if I can if yeah. get it introduced in New South Wales, it was my ambition then to uh, hit Victoria because we're all part of that Murray River system and yeah, um, yeah. and try and get bow fishing introduced but but until it goes in through in New South Wales I've probably got no hope in Victoria because we had bow fishing in Victoria it was part of the spear fishing regulations and oh no eight or nine years ago whoever wrote up the latest regulations left because used to have the wording includes bow and arrow and they yeah. left the wording includes bow and arrow out so oh, by default, Sneaky. without even going through any legal requirement, they dropped bow fishing overnight, and and we didn't we didn't know until the book came out. So then I spent the next two years trying to fight it, and the trouble is with that, you know, we've only got two thousand ABA members in this state, and probably only mm. you know, fifty of them go bow fishing, or say they do. And as far as the government concerned, that's totally irrelevant. Don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on. And so we can't bow fish in Victoria anymore. It's just been pulled out, so and bow fishing's getting harder. It's uh, fairly well limited to uh, Northern Territory, Western Australia, and Queensland nowadays. Um, yeah, so saltwater yeah. bow fishing goes. Yeah. So that's where you've got to get your shark. Anyway. Yeah, well, and they're the best <laughs> place to do it anyway. And just Queensland have changed their fishing regulations because we're still governed by the same regulations. You're only allowed to shoot 
one shark up to 1.5 metres per day, and same with the stingray. That's from the tip of the tail to the tip of the nose, so it's not a very big stingray, but it's a reasonable shark, but, but only yeah. one per day. Oh, right. You're only allowed to catch one per day with the fishing regulation, so that's the same with bow fishing, which really loosely comes under the spear fishing category, which is yeah. still fishing. So Northern Territory is still the way to go. It's still you know, the, the, uh, the hunting mecca of the country, I think. That's in northern Western Australia probably, but Northern Territory is still the, the place where you can go bow fishing and hunting and at the moment without too much drama. Yeah, we've certainly had some fun up there recently ourselves. And um, it, it is a great place to hunt, the Northern Territory. Do you reckon that, that bow hunting is growing in Australia or going backwards at the moment? Oh, no, I think it's growing in actual fact, but it's growing um, not you know, like prior privately. That's not the right word, but um, independently of associations or clubs, people seem to be buying and using bows more now than ever, probably because they're easier, easier to get than a firearm, you know, yeah. whether that's good or bad. Yeah. And and you've got people that really don't know how to use it properly out there um, trying to bow one. And we get them at our local club all the time. They've, they've bought a bow somewhere and realised it wasn't quite as easy as they first thought. And then they turn up with uh, equipment that's really totally inadequate for what they're trying to do. But, mm. but, but there's certainly a percentage out there that, yeah, are doing better at it, and I think it is definitely growing, but nothing like it is in the States. I'd love it to be as good as it was in the States. We'd have some some command of the situation at the moment. I'm not super confident that my grandkids will be able to bow hunt the same as I've been able to bow hunt. So. Yeah. yeah, I think that's why the whole, and this is one of the things that we've really been concentrating on ourselves for quite a while now, in the, not just for, for bow hunting, but for hunting in general. And, and that's the advocacy piece, you know, around, uh, you know, people are growing up nowadays and they're not, they're not involved in anything to do with animal processing or activities or um, the outdoors for them is something that's more what we consider comfort outdoors rather than actually getting in the outdoors. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're kind of cushioned, you know, um, yeah, absolutely. As, as far as far as you know, understanding what real nature and wildlife's all about, um, and for that matter, anything to do with true conservation, um, because yeah. because they feel that that um, you know a lot of these animals live in uh, some kind of Disney Disney sphere, um, and uh, and of course that kept, couldn't be further from the truth in 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 all, almost all cases. Um, yeah, totally agree. And as a result of that, you know, where, you know, um, you know, previously, obviously the agricultural industries that we had here in Australia and we, and we still have to, to some degree um, and, uh, and the country, you know, the country areas, which were, I guess, better populated than they are nowadays because now we have these massive suburban sprawls. Um, you know, you, you had a lot more people that were interacting with, um, I guess rural and and nature and, and all of these kinds of things, um, you know, and they had an understanding about um, you know what that meant and what 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 actually happens with animals and things like this and and what hunting did you know as far as you know um, general conservation as far as farming crop protection and I mean I grew up doing all that stuff as a kid and now. You know, you you'll talk to some people about it, and um, and they just stare at you blankly, like you're either some kind of murderer um, or you're um you're, you're some kind of alien. You know, yeah, yeah. like what yeah. are you talking about, mate? Why do you need to do that? You know, and and it's you, you can't even start on a level playing field. You know, and even no, when you got, yeah. yeah, sorry, mate, but yeah, That's when. Right. When, when you ask them whether they eat meat, they'll say, yeah, but I get it from the supermarket. And it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. it wasn't like nothing, something still died, mate, you know, as a result of that. We've you know? actually had people try and argue with us that those animals were grown, they were actually bred to die for your food, so it's justified. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. well, how? Yeah, how? Well. Was, you know, yeah. we, we 100% we support farmers. We don't have a problem with farming at all and farming for livestock. But that logic of, well, the life is worth less because it was bred for it, it just blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. then, I mean, yeah. you have people that think that 
that getting like eating eggs and drinking milk hurts the cows and the chickens. So, <laughs> I mean, you're fighting against you more than just people out there. Just some media. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I guess my overall point is that that advocacy piece, I think, for all hunting, the whole hunting industry in Australia, is super important. We need to reteach and re-educate practically everyone. That oh, but we need to promote that as much as we can so people understand. I, as individuals, I think we all do that. Yeah. But but that's not enough. I think, I, I don't know how we do it in mass, but um, because the true conservation is us that hunt. And, and the yeah. ADA with the hog deer program has got to be uh, up there with the best of that process because that, the only, as, if someone wants to hunt something, we'll make sure that animal is alive and around that species is around yeah, forever. It'll survive. Um, yeah. But animals like the hog deer that's in Victoria on the coast, there's the only huntable numbers of hog deer left on the planet yeah. are here in Australia because the Australian Deer Association um, decided that they want to do something about it and, and keep them viable forever. So Well, yeah. it means that the animals have value at that point. Yeah, and that's the same in the like, African hunting area. You know, yeah. If they've got a value then they'll still be there in a hundred years' time because they're worth something. But if they totally ban hunting over there, then all those wild animals are just going to disappear overnight because the, the people that are breeding them and looking after them at the moment, they won't be of any value to them. Yeah. So they'll yeah. move yeah. on yeah. to something else. Yeah. Or, they'll, they, yeah, they, they, they end up doing what the Greens advise all the time and poisoning them, poisoning the... the um, the, the excess or what they consider as the unnecessary ferals poison them and get mm. rid of them. You know, we, which... we actually had one of the politicians down here suggest instead of hunting, get drones to go over and shoot the deer. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. Yeah. See, I think that the Greens, I don't think that they care that much about the animals at all. I think that they're just perpetual party poopers. They just don't want anyone to enjoy themselves, <laughs> ever. They definitely have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we, the only way we can do that is just educate where we can and you know, we do that we put that stuff in our to our, to our members in our magazine and that but we're only a very yes in the overall scheme of things the aba is really a fairly small bow hunting organization it's the only bow hunting organization in the country but it's it's all we've got and, yeah uh, yeah and it's what's looking after everyone if we could get everybody out there to join up it'll just definitely make a difference yeah well you you guys heard it bow hunters out there that listen to this podcast Get off your butts and join the ABA and uh, make sure you get involved mm. um, because they, cost, they need your support. less than a packet of broadheads to join for a year. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and we do. We do. We need, we need more people in all round to, to be supporting these groups and stuff and, and get and band together as, as either hunters, shooters, or, or um, you know, even if you're just a, a, a target if you want to do target bow hunting and what, or, or um, target archery. Shooting. Yeah, well, uh, and the know. target side of us is just, yeah. Uh, like a lot of us, we started off practicing. That's where we practice to go bow hunting. Yeah. Right? And yeah. a lot of people do a bit of both. I do both. On, I just love shooting arrows. I, yeah. You know, whether I'm hunting or shooting targets or whatever, I just like shooting arrows. Yeah. And probably always, hopefully, always will. But, uh, but, but, like, but there's a lot of us that just bow hunt, but they could still be a member of, of a, of a body that looks after their future that's what we yeah, do. Yeah. yeah yeah well this is the thing and not everyone you know people don't either don't have the capacity or they don't have the desire to go and write letters or get on the phone with their local politicians or make sure that they're keeping up to date with all these um changes in the legislation and keep on top of it but by making sure that you pay your membership fee to an organization like the aba they do it for you they take care of that for yeah. you you know that's so you exactly don't have to worry right, about that. it yeah. Hmm. And we employ, we've got a full-time, well, one full-time person, office staff member that's that's there for them for that all the time, and yeah. uh, and we'd and we'd like to increase that to uh, to promote us more, but you know, so it all takes money, and yeah, and the more members we can get, the more chance we've got to do on that. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's certainly an important thing to make sure that hunting um, continues for the future of of. Um, my kids' kids and, and yours mm. also. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, it, it's it's something that we all need to, to take part in. 
Mark, um, listen, mate, that, that's absolutely fantastic. And thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Um, before we do go, though, um, do, do you have what, – what's the, what's the most exciting animal you've ever hunted other than a shark? Because I'm, I'm, I'm reckoning <laughs> that has to, like, take the cake almost. Well, um, well, sure. well you know, it's hard. I've hunted every state and uh, uh, there's different, some of the biggest, the biggest species of, are the exciting ones, you know, the buffalo, camels, the deer species, probably samba more so of the bigger deer. Red deer are exciting in their own right just because of their vocalness and yeah. Yeah. Um, and sharks especially because you're walking in the water, you're trying to get them to you, swim. Wait a minute, you're species. walking in the water. <laughs> so they, they can be... Yeah, they can get the heart pumping from the sharks because you're you're trying to encourage them and you sniff. You know, yeah, I'm thinking, out. I'm out. I'm I was out. thinking you were in a boat. <laughs> Both the girls just stopped breathing. <laughs> and actually, I was yeah, a little a bit worried about getting eaten by. That was me. Fear in life was I was going to end up shark poo somewhere. You know? Yep, <laughs> yep, that's that's me. That's my fear. Yeah. Yep. But it's actually a lot harder than you think to get a shark to swim up to you in. And you're walking water up to your knees or, you know, a bit deeper than that because it depends how big the shark is. You might be way up to your – you don't get much deeper in your waist because it's too hard to shoot. But um, they, they're swimming around. You get waist deep, waist deep with a shark. No, I like both of my legs you, firmly attached. Yeah, so, so what you're telling me, Mark, is you burlied the water. Well, you, you stand in you know, thigh deep water with your feet and you wiggle your toes. So you can, <laughs> and as they swim at you, you can probably shoot. No, no. You really want to be a good shot. Most times they, they, get, they get scared and they swim away. Like it's, it's deliberately hard to get a shark <laughs> to come close to you in that deep water. Well, in deeper water, they, where they feel more comfortable, I wouldn't like to be swimming around with them. But in that shallow water, they're fairly wary. They, uh, yeah, this hard. I've actually up was up in Nora uh, in the Cape York near Weeper several years ago. There's a big shark swimming along the coast, and I was running ahead of him, wrapping my legs in seaweed and standing in the water, squatting down. And every time he come within bow range. He'd swing out around me and go back into the beach and swim along again. And I did that three or four times and actually never even got a shot at him. It was just, and he was a good-sized shark, probably 12 foot or something. And, and he was, Oh, I nearly just threw up. You've got to be pulling the leg, Mark. You've got to be pulling the leg. No, it was. At that point, you're only about six foot from the bank because you're... That's you know, six foot too so, far. So, uh, <laughs> you could probably you hope that you can do a big, mad dash if you got serious, but... Yeah. <laughs> Make a Baywatch cut. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you do, you do actually burly the water to try and bring them in. You can, you can burly them. Yeah. yeah. But mo- mostly it's a spot stalk thing because they they're feeding the flats and uh, and you can see them. They in northern Queensland anyway, quite often on them on them big open sand flats. Uh, you'll see them uh, fins breaking the water, or they'll be just when, cruising in the shallows. You know. When you started talking about bow hunting sharks, I was like, "Sweet, you're in a boat. That's cool. I'll probably do that one <laughs> I day." Do that. Yeah. I, was, I was thinking that episode of Jim, Jim Shockey, where you know, I mean, there's an episode on Jim of Jim Shockey's, I don't know, a couple of years ago, where Corey Knowlton, one of his mates, he got on the back of a boat and they burlied this shark up, and they got it. They were out in the middle of nowhere, and he yep. shot this shark, basically, you know. Um, I guess he was probably about five meters, six meters from it, but he shot it from the back of a boat. And I, I'm yeah. thinking to myself, wow, you know, that's that's pretty cool. You're in you a know? boat. So it's a bit you're in a boat. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you, can, you can't do it that way. And, and we have a category for that. That's bow fishing. What we do is bow hunting for fish. Oh my gosh! You're, oh wow! You're hunting, you're hunting like you would everything else. They're, they're okay. In the only thing I'm getting waist deep in is a river to go fly fishing. This I'm out, Tash. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to make this one happen. That's not very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting enough like for me. Your, question, your initial question, I guess you can't beat buffalo. You know, for a hard stop and big thing that's going to, if it really wants to run over the top of you and make a big mess and you're trying to kill it by poking a little pointy stick into it. So that's probably the most, yeah. No, see, I'd I'd put my hand up for that before I'd put my before I'd get in the water with a shark. 
Was uh, with Danny Van Van Broek, yeah. yeah. and he, yeah, yeah, yeah. that that got mauled by a buffalo, and he had a gun. So. Yeah, that's right. I, did I would that. still take yeah. the buffalo over the shark. Yeah, I usually hunt with someone who can't run faster than me. Yeah, that's, yeah, that is smart. That's the theory. Uh, you just you got to be careful. I, you know, I've been for a long time, and I haven't. Haven't had any major issues, but yeah, you know, I might have been just lucky, you know. Um, yeah, been the right place or not the wrong, wrong place at the right time or whatever. But and that's and that's what makes bow hunting what it is. It's just a hard pumping, whether you hunt pigs or camels or buffalo or deer or yeah, you know, it's just that's what gets the adrenaline going and the excitement. Things happen and yeah, and you try to explain that to people that don't bow hunt and and people that, and because to me. Uh, a dead animal at the end of it's not even the major consideration. It's probably a there's a degree of sadness in that process. Yeah, but yeah. The excitement is, especially with a, with a bow, is getting into the personal space of yeah, the animal, definitely, and defeating it completely, and then harvesting it cleanly. That's that's the ultimate goal, and and that's the that's the feel good thing at the end of the process. And, yeah. And if it's edible, you can take all the meat home. If it's ugly old thing like a pig, well, you might get a set of tusks or whatever. But mm. generally, uh, um, you, you don't take up bow hunting if your goal is to shoot a lot of animals. In yeah. The yeah. Scheme of things, you know, like it's just it's a different game altogether. Yeah. That was something that I I kind of struggled to explain when Dad asked me why I am so fond of bow uh, bow hunting bow hunting, um, getting so close to the animal. It's an adrenaline rush in itself. Even if you don't take the shot, yeah, absolutely. Without and yeah, and it, without sound and oh, like a, any sort of big-headed stuff, but I've probably passed up a lot more in the last four or five years than I have shot because I I'm at a point where I don't necessarily have to shoot at them, but I certainly enjoy the process of getting there and mm, getting within yeah. range, you know. And and it sounds like that's a cliche thing, but it's just that's the exciting part of it is. Is working the animal out and mm. uh, and then beating them at their own game, you know. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. A lot of times you shoot them. Sometimes you don't. You know. Sometimes you don't get the opportunity. That's with a bow that can you could do over the right and still not get that clear shot. You know, like you know, it just doesn't always work. But and the amount of times you could shoot a me and things with a rifle if you're in that same position. But if you think that, then you probably shouldn't be bowing because it's. That's not what bowing's all about. That, that's a bit of advice for you there, Jersey. <laughs> Tash has, Tash um, like uh, Tash and Jess, obviously both been bow hunting, but um, uh, uh, Tash is, has definitely got the um, the staying power, I guess. You know, she she's, you know, days and days on end and she, she'll just stick at it and go, well, you know, if I, if I don't get it, I don't get it, but... Jersey, on the other hand, there's a point where um, I, I guess um, at some stage during the, those couple of days where she goes to us, says to herself, you know what, I've missed, you know, one or two or whatever opportunities, and um, and oh, now like I'm bow hunting is dumb. I want a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and that comes back to actually once you start, because in the early days, I'm like. 40 years ago, I'd go away for the week and I'd take both. You know, I'd take a rifle and a bow, and, and like a lot of people did, you know, and you'd try for a couple of days and you'd get from the bow, you'd up like that, you'd throw on the boot, and then you'd grab the rifle and you'd go and shoot a few things. But, I, I was so much so that way that I bought a $600 backpack so that I could carry both my bow and my <laughs> rifle at the same time. <laughs> so, so you need to change that front mindset. This is why Maybe she only so. has a ground squirrel and I have no, four animals down. That's right. And, and once you get the first shot my first year in 1994, I'd deer, and on the day I shot that, I haven't fired a rifle since because that just it showed me I could do it. I could shoot a deer. I could, with a bit of perseverance, beat them, and and that's all I've done ever since. Wow! I've, yeah. I've not wow. shot a single thing with a rifle since 1994. And, um, you just got to get to a point where you accept that process, and it's probably easier for me to say because I've shot a lot of stuff, you know. But 
um, it's the, the, I still love to hunt, but it's, you know, I don't have to kill something at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 Which is why you go out. I know it's why you go out. You don't go out with a sharp broad there when you don't want to kill stuff. But sometimes it yeah, you just don't. It's just and that's just an old age thing. I'm old and decrepit and, <laughs> and, I, and I know I've got to skin it and butcher it and carry it all back. Yeah, is it really worth it in the end? No, I'll just <laughs> and it makes for a good excuse when I get back to camp. Oh, I gotta show you a picture, even if I couldn't get close. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Hey, you Mate, you wouldn't believe what I tossed up today. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. This is my excuse for being bad at fishing. I really just right. don't want to have to touch the fish. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, thanks very much for coming on the podcast today. Um, no worries, Rod. We'll we'll wrap it up there, and um, and certainly, you know, as I said before, any bow hunters out there, and anyone that wants to get uh, involved in bow hunting, um, I know here in Tassie, there's no real um, uh, representation of the ABA. Is that correct, Mark? Uh, we have we do have two ABA archery field archery clubs over there in the top uh, end one. of the state, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's not a huge because yeah. you know, no yeah. not a huge representation there, and they come under the Victorian banner anyway for anything that's uh, done over there is via um, our Victorian branch because they don't have a separate branch. But there yeah. is two ABA clubs, and they they shoot our ABA targets. But and we sent our bowling proficiency officer over there last year, and he trained a couple of people so they can do BPCs over there. Um, yeah, which is of no advantage to you in that state but if you're uh, if you're coming across here it's um as far as claiming our game and stuff that works for us so yep so all you fellas out there that are um in the the rest of aussie um if you're here in tassie you can go to the top end of the state or if you're in lonnie or, or devonport or bernie or any of those you'll be close enough to get to um one of the aba branches there um or aba uh, target shooting um clubs and uh, if you're in Vic or anywhere else in Aussie, look up the ABA guys and get involved and um, and get on board. Mark's explained it all already. If you're not on board, if you're not involved, you, you know you, you really you're, you're not, not supporting the industry. Mm. And uh, and we need to make sure that we're all supporting the industry to make sure that it continues to grow and um, and we all see hunting and target shooting and everything else all that's involved yeah. with. Um, you know that that type of sport continue to grow. Yeah, the the uh, for the children of our children's children because we aren't the bad people. You know, we're we're the good ones because we do all the right things. So mm. we shouldn't be Hi. affected by mm. that. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks, Mark. No worries. Thanks. Have a good much. night. Right thanks, thanks, buddy. Yeah. We'll Bye. catch you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the I Am Hunter podcast, guys. Um, Mark had some really great points there about why it's important to support these kind of organisations and we hope that you guys, that that's resonated with you and that you jump on board. I'm still blown away you hunted a shark. I know, no way. I was like, what are you, I was like, are you crazy? Are you actually crazy? Like, that's my worst nightmare. (laughs) I really enjoyed his explanation of it though. Yeah, well, I'm bow hunting, not bow fishing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm putting down my bow. I'm never picking it up that's again. If that's what I that that is guts, and you know, <laughs> that I, I I got I got no other words. That is just awesome. I mean, yeah. that that's probably the best podcast. With uh, you know, uh, information Story, yeah. I I have heard. I would rather know. bow hunt a lion than bow really? hunt a shark. Yes, yes. <sighs> I've told you this before because of my fear of the ocean. I'm putting them in the same category. I'm sitting there. I mean, six feet from the beach where you can get away from the shark, and with a lion, you really have to. You don't move quick if you're waist deep. I get that. And that shark is like bang, mate. Yeah, Yeah, but like you can kind of you got your broad head there. You can kind of stab a little. (laughs) If there is a lion, you are not. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But you cannot get away from a lion at all. You don't I'm, have a chance. I'm nearly six no, foot No, 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 I get it, I get it. I get what you're saying. But you don't have a chance to get away from the lion. You have a yeah, chance to get away you from the You could also stab the lion. 
I would oh, rather, yeah, that's gonna work. I would rather get mauled by the lion than be <laughs> stuck with the shark. <laughs> like, even if it didn't yeah, bite the me. Whole, the whole issue of drowning <laughs> when yeah. the shark is biting you. I know, would drown. adds another aspect to it. I would die of a heart it? attack before the shark I mean, the me. only way that you could get away from the lion is, like you said, if you were faster than someone else. <laughs> I'll be like Daniel in that's the cave with the lions. So I'll make friends with good them. on your mark. You're a champion, buddy. <laughs> like, that That is just made my, it's made my year. That's yeah, I, I, I never thought notice. anyone would spot and stalk a shark. That Jess, is just fantastic. Jess is terrified of the ocean, just yep. by the way, everyone. Yep. So yeah. she is going to have nightmares tonight. Yep. Anyway, guys, thank you very much for listening. Um, I am over the moon. That, that I'm going to go awesome. get some therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go get some food. Talk to you All guys right. next time. Thanks, guys. Bye.